Thanks for checking into the radioactive summer break tonight. I'm Laura Jones. Stick around to meet the DJ. Radioactive's Tamrika Kavtisiashvili talks with Saurabh Mafi, host of Ethnosphere Radio, Sunday nights at 7 here on KRCL. He'll talk about the music that inspires him and where he finds it, his Baha'i faith, meditation and mindfulness, and more. He first came to KRCL as a guest back in the early 80s on Nexus, a program that he eventually took over. So stick around for more of Sorab's story this hour. I'll also check in with Dr. Angela Dunn of the Salt Lake County Health Department for her thoughts on the state of COVID in our community and what we need to do to keep ourselves, our loved ones, and the community safe. The Texas law banning abortions, no exceptions after six weeks, went into effect today. I'll share the reaction from Carrie Galloway, who heads up Planned Parenthood here in Utah. Just a few days left in our Songs of Summer playlist, which closes on Labor Day. I can have a spectacular for you, along with the help of some teachers in our community and some of the great picks listeners and guests made this summer. You can see the playlist online at krcl.org, and you still have a chance to be the DJ. Call 385-800-1889 and share your song of summer with me and Radioactive Summer Break. Here's one to get us started from Dr. Angela Dunn. The first song that came to my head was classic Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. Um, If people can just, yeah, stick with me for a little bit longer. We're almost there. Um, But sometimes it does feel like we need a little supernatural support to get us through this. It's Angela's pick. Songs of Summer on KRCL 90.9. Get vaccinated, folks. Wash those hands. Wear your mask. I just put the first KRCL bumper sticker on my car. And now I'm sporting KRCL wherever I go. I officially am a part of the KRCL family. Hi, I'm Trina Baghumian, KRCL's new director of underwriting and special events. If you own or manage a local business, I would love to connect you with our listeners. With thousands of sets of ears tuned to our station each week, your message will reach folks who value and support Utah's local business community. Become a KRCL sponsor today. Email me at trinab at krcl.org. You're listening to the Radioactive Summer Break. Community Amplified and more music discovery weeknights at 6. I'm Laura Jones. The Delta variant of COVID continues to surge in Utah, with a mask mandate for school children rejected by the Salt Lake County Council. What's a health department supposed to do? Earlier today, I spoke with Dr. Angela Dunn, executive director and medical director of the Salt Lake County Health Department, to find out more. Can you give us the lay of the land in Salt Lake County when it comes to COVID right now, especially as we've had K-12 through and college uh, going back to school? So currently we are definitely in a surge of COVID cases and it is quite surprising given that we were so excited about the vaccine coming out um, and we had a lull in the middle of summer that we all thought we were kind of home free, but then we've got this Delta variant now that is so much more transmissible and causing us to peak once again um, with our COVID cases, Uh, specifically with the younger populations that aren't vaccinated, um, we are seeing more cases. Yes, uh, if I could quote from Robert Gerke's most recent column in the Salt Lake Tribune, he talks about what is going on 
with with uh, the kids. Let me just pull this up. He writes, the Utah Department of Health estimates 39,000 children aged 5 to 17 will be infected it will be infected this month alone, almost 1,300 per day, as many kids as were infected in the first nine months of the pandemic in Utah. That is just like this huge blaring alarm and red flashing light, yet we seem to be stuck in the beehive state with uh, our politic divide, our political divide. And you were at the state level, now you're at the county. How are you navigating that, given that at least one county council person questioned if um, – you, she was getting honest data from you because of politics. I know those are things said in the heat of a um, rowdy council meeting and uh, that you have to be diplomatic. But how do you do this? I mean, one thing is that I am clearly not political. Um, and I only am a voice for science and facts and giving people the best information I have at my fingertips so they can make the best decisions for themselves and their families to, to keep themselves safe. Um, I have, you know, if anybody's watched me over the past 18 months, I think everyone can agree that I definitely don't kowtow to politics. Um, and really am here just to make sure that we do the, the best we can to protect the residents now of Salt Lake County. Um, it, it, it's definitely challenging and it's, it's hard to try to meet people where they're at when, um, you know, it's, I feel like um, people's response to COVID right now is is just a little irrational. Um, and, you know, how do we keep irrational people safe? We're basically trying to save them from the, themselves. <laughs> and it's hard. Your background is epidemiology, correct? Yeah. So I'm a physician by training. Um, I am boarded in preventive medicine and public health and then did a fellowship in epidemiology with the CDC. So have that medical epidemiology expertise. So what do we got to do? Is it as simple as get vaccinated, wear a mask, wash your hands? Absolutely. I mean, if it was, I mean, saying it is is that simple, but it's actually getting people to do it. So we're talking about behavior change amidst a very divided country. And so politics and the division we've been seeing in our country for the past year or so is definitely contributing to our inability to control this pandemic effectively. It really is as simple as getting all of our adults vaccinated. Our kids would be safer um, if we were. And, and we're not there yet. And, um, and, and that's because the rhetoric is so extreme that it's convincing people that there are microchips and that we're all making money and there's some ulterior motive. And that's unfortunate because it is to the demise of the health of our population. So given that we're kind of uh, waiting to see what happens with back to school and transmission rates, what data points are you keeping an eye on? So you know, schools have definitely been um, at the forefront of my focus for the past several weeks, actually all throughout the summer, but definitely in the past several weeks. And looking at those um, cases coming in specifically in our elementary schools, because none of them are vaccinated there. Um, they essentially have no protection going into schools if they're not wearing masks, they're not distancing, um, and, and they're not vaccinated. So trying to understand the impact of lack of mitigation measures on the spread, and then looking at the severity of disease that it's causing. I will say that as we move on through school and we're kind of getting into that um, routine of reporting those numbers, we can't forget about what's happening in our young adult population. They're responsible for the most of our cases are responsible for most of our hospitalizations, and they can get vaccinated, but they're not. Um, so we're gonna start turning some of our attention to work sites where we're seeing outbreaks in those who are in their 20s and 30s um, because they're not vaccinated. 
So the Pfizer vaccine uh, has been fully approved by the FDA and for folks as young as 16, I believe, 16 mm-hmm. or 17, correct? Correct, 16. Mm-hmm. What's the word on lowering that to 12 or vaccinations targeted for even younger? Sure. So for, um, you know, I'm actually not sure on the full FDA approval from 12 to 15 year olds, but I will tell you that the emergency use authorization approval for five to 11 year olds um, is set to come kind of in December, January. And that's just the timing thing. So they entered these kids into their trials and they have to wait at least six months to gather enough data. Um, So we're waiting for that data to be gathered. It, It won't come sooner than that. Talking with Dr. Angela Dunn of the Salt Lake County Health Department about COVID in our community and uh, hospitals. What are you hearing? Uh, I'm reading, obviously, along with the rest of the community, that ICUs are at 105 percent, which mathematically is impossible, which means they're having to take other parts of the hospital and turn them into ICUs. Yeah, it's really scary um, to see that our residents might not be able to get the care they need when they need it because our hospitals are so full. Um, And part of that is definitely COVID and that's a problem. And I will say part of it are COVID patients taking up beds, but it's also healthcare providers leaving their profession because they were so burnt out from COVID last year. So not only do we have lack of space and beds, but we have lack of expert staff to take care of patients. Um, And this is a real concern moving forward if we continue along this trajectory. There's a longstanding nursing shortage in our community, and now you're confirming what we've been reading about over the course of COVID is that people are leaving the profession. Um, I just, it kind of leaves me a bit speechless, and I'm, I'm guessing you too. You mentioned the word timing a little bit ago, and another timing issue is regular flu season. Last year, virtually no flu cases because we all went into a pretty significant self-imposed quarantine um, and locking things down. And there's not uh, an appetite for that this season. And here we come with flu. After being apart for a year, I don't think our systems are ready to fight that off, right? As a layperson, wait, I do have a doctor's daughter degree. So (laughs) help us with the real science here, doc. (laughs) So we're already kind of seeing potentially what could happen with flu in RSV with our kids. So RSV is another, RSV. Yep, another respiratory virus. Um, it's typically spread among young children, but it's usually a fall disease. But we're actually seeing huge spikes right now in our kids. And they're actually, the RSV patients are responsible for our primary children's hospital being overburdened with sick kids because of RSV. So there is that thought that because there was no RSV last year, because we were all wearing masks and had our self-imposed quarantine, that it left a huge population actually more vulnerable this year. And, you know, potentially that'll happen with flu. So time will, time will tell. But we should be looking to get our flu vaccinations as well. Is there any concern about getting that and perhaps a booster or your initial vaccination at the same time? No, and you make up a great point. What's awesome about both flu and COVID is we have fantastic vaccines to prevent us from getting seriously ill. And we should all be getting both of those if we're eligible this fall. And, and don't worry about getting them together. And Salt Lake County Health Department offers vaccine clinics and COVID testing um, at no or low cost, correct? Absolutely. Um, And you can find it on our website where you can go, our hours, um, and we'll be working to make those hours more accessible throughout the fall. 
want to close uh, with another conversation about politics. Have you been able to move on with the county council after they uh, rejected your K through six mask mandate in August? How are you interacting with them? Oh, fine. I mean, for me personally, I, and I've said this before, um, there was a process that was bestowed upon us by the legislature where I make a mandate and then they have the option to overturn it. And that's the way democracy is working in this situation. So um, I give my best health expertise and they're supposed to represent the voices of their constituents. Um, so for some, that's what happened in this case. And we're still moving forward. Um, there are constant conversations about what to do next. I think we all want to do what's best. But again, the extreme rhetoric definitely clouds um, judgment in some of these situations. Dr. Dunn, thank you so much. And maybe one more. What's your pitch for people to get vaccinated, to get your COVID, to get your flu, to stay on top of all your your public health, on all your health uh, requirements to stay healthy this time of year? Yeah, I mean, we're only as as healthy as the weakest one among us. Um, and so it really does take a community effort to ensure that the most vulnerable among us are safe through this fall season, especially. So do it for yourself, do it for your neighbor, do it for your loved ones. Um, it's going to take all of us. Dr. Angela Dunn of the Salt Lake County Health Department. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the department's website where you'll find a COVID dashboard and information on vaccine clinics and COVID testing sites in the Capital County. I'm Laura Jones, and this is the Radioactive Summer Break. Another hot Utah summer without air conditioning on road trips? Thinking about finally upgrading your vehicle but having trouble letting go? Put your used car or truck to good use and donate it to KRCL. No hassles, no fees, and our vehicle donation partner will even tow it for you. You get a tax receipt and your old car gets a new life, powering community radio. Visit the support tab at krcl.org for more details. Support for KRCL comes from lifelong learning at the U of U, offering 200 classes this fall online and in person, including music enrichment for health and wellness and poetry workshop. More information and a full list of classes at lifelong.utah.edu. Hey, you're listening to the Radioactive Summer Break. I'm your host, Laura Jones. Earlier today in Texas, SB 8 went into effect, banning any and all abortions after six weeks. To find out what this means for women's reproductive rights, I spoke with the head of Planned Parenthood here in Utah, Carrie Galloway. I don't know how your day's been going, but I've been watching the news and saw what happened in Texas today. And I haven't checked the news as of this recording to see where things stand with perhaps any court challenges. But can you give us the lay of the land with what's happened in Texas? We've got a pretty sad day in Texas. And it's an unfortunate beholding for everyone, for women and families everywhere, that um, the cynical nature of those opposed to abortion has reached new heights. And um, I'm truly disappointed in the Supreme Court that they did not rule to enjoin this new law in Texas before it went into effect. Um, they still have the opportunity to do that. But um, this has been a slow moving freight train for quite a while in Texas as both sides 
shored up um, for this battle. And um, I just find the actions morally corrupt, ethically corrupt for people who say that they have taken on this law to protect the unborn, the most vulnerable, but they do nothing to protect the families so they can raise children in a healthy, adequate environment. They do nothing for women's health care to help them prevent unintended pregnancies. They are only concerned with punishing women, punishing providers. And this particular new law is just unbelievable, Laura. Well, let's break this down because as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, SB8 in Texas that went into effect today makes it illegal for someone to get an abortion if they are more than six weeks pregnant. And I've never been pregnant myself, but I'm guessing most people don't know they're pregnant at six weeks. Most don't. And I know that Planned Parenthood has been educating women um, that they have to make decisions early because most women don't even have a pregnancy test until they miss a period. And at that point, they're four weeks pregnant, five weeks pregnant, and then they only have a week to figure out what to do. Um, and it's not uncommon for women's menstrual cycles to be affected by more than pregnancy. So it might be eight weeks oh, uh, or more. In the world we live in, when you're worried about uh, coronavirus, you're worried about your kids, you're worried about everything. Stress. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Your period could be interrupted. Yeah. No, ex no exceptions for rape or incest. And uh, well, perhaps the most... Well, the new twist, I wouldn't say the most pernicious because these restrictions are all pernicious, but a bounty provision empowering private citizens to enforce an abortion ban. Tell me about this aspect. We've been referring to it as sue your neighbor to sidestep the state enforcing the law so that the usual channels of give and take when a law is introduced and there is controversy over it and there is suit and it goes to court, they've crafted this law so that the state is not the one who's in charge of the law. Private citizens, you don't even have to be a Texas resident to decide to sue a doctor or a family member who helped you get to the health center or someone who contributed money to help pay for your abortion. You can sue them all not knowing them or even if you know them and are angry at them and you wanna get back at them for something, you can sue and if your suit is viable, you can get $10,000. There's a bounty 
on women's health care, Laura. In Texas, who can be sued? The Anyone who helped uh, um, an abortion happen. So the doctor, anyone working in the health center, the Uber driver, a family member who helped them get to the health center or provided some funds. This seems to me, granted, a lay person, clearly unconstitutional. Um, and what is Planned Parenthood doing in the courts to address this? We have taken a number of actions. I have to say, those lawyers at Planned Parenthood can get pretty darn creative. Um, we have actions in federal court, actions in state court, and we're not the only ones. Um, their uh, whole women's health have their own lawyers. Private providers have their own lawyers. The ACLU is involved. The Center for Reproductive Freedom is involved. We have all joined together to figure out how to create an action that will hold with this new type of cynical law. Because the people who created it were clever too. And they've really looked at it to put everybody in a box that they will play with women's lives, with physicians' lives so cavalierly is just amazing to me. Well, um, is this more evidence of a uh, conservative majority Supreme Court in your mind? Well, that has been clear from the beginning. The um, anti-women's health people have been very clear that they see the Trump appointees to the Supreme Court as their way of getting rid of Roe. And it became very clear when Mississippi filed their papers for their challenge to Roe, which will be heard in this next session um, with the Supreme Court, when they no longer talked about the woman's health or the pain for a fetus, they talked about wanting to return to the state this decision for laws for reproductive health care and freedom. And so that is a 15-week law. And should the Supreme Court rule in Mississippi's favor, our trigger law here in Utah would go into effect. Um, it would render moot our suit against our 18-week law. And there would be automatically, Laura, 23 states where abortion would no longer be an option for the people of that state. I find it also interesting that throughout the pandemic, the language of um, the fight for female reproductive rights, my body, my choice, has been taken up by folks who don't believe in masks, don't believe in vaccinations. And um, it feels like a real cynical place to be right now. Yeah. They make their own rules, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, what are your contingency plans as head of Planned Parenthood here in Utah? Because if that comes to pass, these are dominoes that start to fall in the fight for reproductive health rights. 
Yeah, in, in some books, Texas is a neighbor. And there's certainly a neighbor in a red state politically. Um, I think that we would appeal to the people of Utah that we don't want to sue thy neighbor, that we would want to have more fair rules, um, fight on a, a level playing ground. Um, where we're not having these discussions, Laura, is if they win, if they make safe and legal abortion non-existent in this country, except for the most wealthy of women who can travel to the few states who have already put safeguards in place. Where are they gonna help the women and the families? Where are they going to assist families to live the productive lives that is part of the American dream? Um, we are not providing family planning services. The people who are fighting against abortion fight against good, safe sex education and family planning services. We're not looking at the long game on this at all. And you know, I was I just want to interject here because when you talk about safe uh, about good sex education, I was just talking to Carrie Rogers Whitehead yesterday of Digital Responsibility, and she was talking about um, sextortion. Mm -hmm. Sexting, sextortion starts as early as fifteen. Well, and though it was a mantra amongst those in my profession for many years, we don't speak of it quite as much lately. And the number has gone up for every dollar spent in family planning services. We save $8 in other healthcare and social services throughout our system. One dollar invested in good family planning saves eight dollars in health and social services down the road. You know, it's the long game. You know, cut off your nose to spite your face really comes to mind for me right now because we're not talking about the whole environment that we live in. Carrie, you've been fighting this fight for for decades. And um, what do you have to say to folks out there uh, as you inevitably retire from the field of battle someday about this, this fight that just does not end? Well, I have to say, Laura, today is a day of action throughout the United States um, that Planned Parenthoods are... Uh, participating in. And because of our um, problems with the uh, pandemic here, we didn't want to do anything in person, but we sent out what I felt was a very thorough message to all of our supporters, of which we have many, and suggested to them that they have conversations with family and friends, over the fence, 
over coffee, um, watching the kids, you know, play and talk about the real implications of letting politicians direct what we can do with our bodies as women, as families, um, and let it, let it really sink in what we're asking people to do, to tell on one another when they're trying to take care of their family and making decisions, you making decisions for someone else. Um, we've got to start having these conversations so that people don't just hear a platitude and assume it takes care of it. Um, I'm, I'm a little pessimistic right now. I, I've in the past been much more um, reliant on the courts to read the law and enforce it and um, do what's right. The fact that SCOTUS said nothing and allowed this law to go into effect um, for the millions of women in Texas today, and, and so many of them without resources to go to another state, um, really doesn't bode well for us. And um, we women, we're tired, we, but we've got a lot on our minds, a lot on our plates, um, a lot weighing us down, but we can't afford to look the other way on this one, Laura. We're gonna have to show our power, show our strength, um, stand up for what's right because my body's my body and no one else should be able to tell me how to take care of it, how I take care of my family. Um, and we're gonna have to have those conversations to shore ourselves up for this because it's a slow moving train. Carrie Galloway, head of Planned Parenthood here in Utah. I'm Laura Jones, and this is the Radioactive Summer Break. One of the things we've been doing this summer is our Meet the DJ series. And this next song is something you might hear on Ethnosphere Radio, Sunday nights from 7 to 10 with Saurabh Mafi. He's been a part of KRCL since the early 80s, with Ethnosphere crystallizing into his focus in October of 2003. To get us started on Meet the DJ with Saurabh Mafi, this is Heaven Part 2 from Vangelis on KRCL. I have never done live interviews, mostly because of my personality. I'm kind of an introvert, and uh, maybe that's why I chose radio. <laughs> name of the program is Ethnosphere, and I selected a name which is very difficult to pronounce, especially for myself, <laughs> but uh, based on the very fact, the very nature of the music that I share with people, it was very much into different cultures and different countries where ethnicity 
came to mind. I used to live in Logan and used to listen to KRCL, moved up to Salt Lake City and began listening to some of the programs on the weekends and gradually made friends with a couple of uh, individuals who used to do New Age programming on KRCL. At times I would go in and be a guest host on their programs and then gradually began volunteering for KRCL. Somebody who's never heard your show before, how would you describe your show to them? I often use the word musical journey uh, during my program, and I think that's what it is. Music, especially instrumental music, that has a spiritual nature to it, I think can assist us in having an internal journey. And uh, I hope that I'm making that happen for the audience. Why is that journey important to you? There is different levels to that. One definite point is meditation. Certain keywords that I've always used in my life is consciousness, awareness, mindfulness. And I think there is no better way to do these three things through the means of meditational music. And when you say meditational music, like, tell me more what that is. Is it like a genre or is it certain artists that help you meditate? Is it both of those? How would you describe meditation music? People have produced uh, albums that have called it meditational music. And frankly, it has nothing to do with a genre of music that can help bring about stillness or concentration or... uh, Things that usually is more involved with meditation. I'm sidetracking here. That that's okay. It's good. So, We're gonna do a lot of sidetracking in the next sure. few minutes. So <laughs> it's sidetracking is good. The idea of being able to focus on things rather than this passerby kind of lifestyle to slow down time is, uh, I think, one of the intent behind the programming, and also, uh, you know, I mean. Even for myself, and I uh, listen to my recorded shows, at the very beginning of the show, I'm very hyped up, and uh, I get into the real me 40 minutes into the programming, and I think that has to do with the effect of music and my connection to the music and, of course, sharing of the music. Almost like giving birth, going through adolescence, having joy and, you know, a bit of craziness, before you mature into a solid state of life, so to speak, and then that's when the meditational music comes in. So you look back at traditional Persian music, classical Indian music, a lot of world music in its base traditional music is very transcendental and it allows you to focus. It allows you to relax. Typical songs that are played on the air these days, three to five minutes. Whereas you, when you tune into Atmosphere Radio, you'll hear one hour songs. I've done that. <laughs> Have you? I've done that in Kiosk. This yeah. is like a dead jam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, what I'm trying to say is that, again, you look back at uh, a lot of uh, traditional music, 20, 30 minutes. It's not, I'm not simply for elongating the music. It is the other way around that elongated long tracks allow us to experience. It's like meeting two people meeting. You won't have enough time to get to know each other, to communicate back and forth. There's got to be enough time. In five minutes, none of that gets across. K 
Can you describe to our listeners where we're sitting? We're sitting in my mansion. <laughs> it is a mansion. We're surrounded by what looks like hundreds of CDs. I don't know how many CDs you have, but I haven't seen this many CDs since right. when KRCL had its beautiful studio. And, and you know, the important uh, note to make is that 99% of this music has been purchased by myself. The reason I say that, due to my belief system, I don't believe in being materialistic or hoarding or having too much of something. But it truly was a way for me to share this music and be able to keep doing it even more without feeling guilty. Because you were kind of giving it back. Giving it back, absolutely. That brings me to when I look at your screen, mm -hmm. I see Baha'i. Correct. I know a little bit about Baha'i, mm. but I've met very, very few Baha'i people. Sure. And uh, I'm assuming you're Baha'i, but Absolutely. if you don't mind, yes. tell us a little bit about what that means to you. Sure. So general information can be found on Baha'i.org for those who are interested to look up the actual teachings. But uh, what it means to me, I think... Uh, is everything. All through the ups and downs, not only music, but the Baha'i faith, these two have been the core foundations of what has allowed me to survive. You said that you've started kind of being involved with music, or mm -hmm. rather it was like doing radio maybe at a young sure. age. And how did that come into your life? When I left Iran for India, I took a whole bunch of music. Those two came together, I think. I've never thought about it. I'm just uh, revisiting that time right now. I think it was that period of time in India and the music I had brought with me, which kind of got married together in me leaning so much on music. How has your ethnicity, being Persian, mm -hmm. How does that affect your show? That's a wonderful question, by the way. For the last 30 years, I think the Baha'i faith has had more of an influence. The diversity that I have brought into these radio programs for over the last 30 years is a direct function of what Baha'i faith teaches. I want to tell you a story. So oh, please. three of us went to this restaurant and got back into the car the car is always on KRCL. So when we turn the car on, I hear Georgian song. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't know right. this about me yet, sure. but I'm Georgian. As an English-speaking person, you hear English all over the world. Absolutely. It's still exciting, maybe, if right. you're somewhere really remote. But as a Georgian person, mm -hmm. there's only three million of us. Um, right. Hearing Georgian outside ah. of Georgia does not happen. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a very, very rare thing. So... I was in shock, right? I was like, wait, guys, everybody quiet. I think this is Georgian. And they're like, no, it is not Georgian. Carousel <laughs> is not playing Georgian. And I'm like, I swear it's Georgian. And it was. So, As you were telling me that, I got goosebumps. I wanted to tell you that story because you mentioned the diversity that you've brought. Where do you find your music? Every place that I travel, even now that people are moving away from CDs, I'm still hunting for music, and I go to record shop. You've mentioned a few times the words relaxation, mindfulness, meditation, contemplation. I just want you to tell me a little more mm -hmm. why 
those four words, and I know they're not just words, these right. ideas, why are they important? Maybe I've introduced four uh, words here. I'll add a full sentence to it based on the Baha'i writings, which says, work performed in the spirit of service is worship. So I bring that up because all of this ties in together in terms of living every minute of your life consciously with purity, with intent, uh, with focus. And when it comes to meditation, once you're at that blissful stage of relaxed state of being, you can think of so many things. You can think of being generous and think about ideas of service and how to go about doing those things. Those, I think, once you have eliminated the rush of life and come to that point of stillness in your mind, then progress actually begins. Ethnosphere Radio's Sohrab Mafi, in conversation with radioactives Tamrika Kavtisiashvili. It's our Meet the DJ series. Tune in Friday nights as you meet Shanna Lee of Saturday Breakfast Jam during the Punk Rock Farmer edition of Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for listening to the Radioactive Summer Break and all the shows here on KRCL. 